My name is Leonidas, and this is Informed Dissent. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 13 of Informed Dissent, a podcast where we push back on the culture of groupthink and challenge the narrative. Okay, we've got to jump right into it because oh, this election is the craziest, most absurd, sketchiest election in my lifetime. Just completely out of control. And none of this makes any sense at all. And I don't want to go full conspiracy theorist on you guys, but if you aren't at least questioning what's happening, if you don't have at least some amount of skepticism about these things, I'm not sure you're being honest. I mean, even Biden supporters have to know that things are highly suspect right now. So I'm not going to rehash too much of it because I'm sure you guys have already heard plenty of it by this point. But the bottom line is we have a big, big problem in our country right now. And I don't want to hear anything from anyone who's been pushing Russian collusion conspiracies for three years, bemoaning the illegitimacy of Trump's presidency and the idea that the 2016 election was somehow stolen from Hillary by Russia. I don't want to hear a single one of those people say a single word about anyone questioning the integrity of this election. An election which is exhibiting exponentially more sketchiness and secrecy and irregularities. I don't want to hear it. We had places in swing states shutting down counting on election night. We have Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, saying that they're taking the day off on Thursday from counting votes and will resume on Friday. And then now now Biden's leading uh, in Pennsylvania. And for no real apparent reason, they took they took Thursday off. G- Georgia's secretary of state saying there there were under 25 ballots to count in the morning. And then later on that day, changed it to 60,000. And then Biden takes over the lead in Georgia. Nevada GOP sending a criminal referral to the DOJ for 3,062 instances of voter fraud. You had ballots being cast by dead people. We have people who are counting ballots, padlocking their doors, covering up windows, kicking out Republican poll watchers. It's madness. And the, the, the Trump admin got a federal court order to allow Republican poll watchers in Philadelphia and the sheriff wouldn't enforce it, wouldn't enforce it. Republican poll watchers weren't allowed in. You have people showing up with crates and suitcases. You have Biden votes just appearing like crazy in swing states that Trump had been leading in at four o'clock in the morning. Which, by the way, there's a graph I posted on Twitter and Facebook that showed the progress of the votes being counted in Michigan and Wisconsin. And it's a fairly steady rise in the slope all the way up until like four o'clock in the morning. And then you see this line for Biden just go straight up, straight up. Now, fact checkers came in and said that there's nothing to see there. All it was was just a vote dump that favored Biden, which, of course, seems ridiculous to me because that is the only time there was a jump like that. And there is not any corresponding Republican jumps. I wish I could have seen the down ballot races corresponding to that because it looks like there are a ton of ballots that only voted for Biden, didn't vote for anybody down ballot. But look, here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff crazy going on. But regardless, it is just it's, it's extremely, extremely suspect and it warrants investigation. And I'm not saying it's for sure fraud. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's highly suspect and it needs to be checked out. Now, people may not like that. And I, I don't care. 
I do not trust the Democrats at all. I do not trust the media at all. They have all spent the past four years in complete meltdown, having daily conniptions about Trump, constantly lying about him, uh, calling him a racist, comparing him to Hitler, announcing that he's ushering in white supremacy, labeling him a Russian spy, accusing him of colluding with a foreign government to steal an election, using impeachment as a partisan political weapon attacking a Supreme Court nominee and labeling him a gang rapist in front of his family, attacking a teenager and trying to ruin his life for wearing a MAGA hat and smirking, ignoring riots and looting that are destroying cities and calling them peaceful protest, ignoring the threat of Antifa and calling them just an idea, ignoring the people that have been killed during these riots, including an eight-year-old girl in Atlanta named Securia Turner, and a retired police chief in St. Louis named David Dorn. Attacking people for going to church, or the synagogue, or the park, or their kids' football game, and accusing them of spreading COVID, while they gleefully support massive Black Lives Matter and LGBT marches, calling anti-lockdown protesters terrorists, while calling rioters mostly peaceful. Pretending like people who gathered outside of polling locations to pray were a threat while ignoring Antifa and BLM agitators and pretending like they were not. Pushing critical race theory into all of our institutions and telling everyone that our country is inherently infected with the disease of racism. Blaming Trump for COVID deaths while praising governors of the states who had the worst outcomes. Announcing that nothing is off the table. Announcing that they still have more arrows in their quiver. Believing that anyone who disagrees with their ideology is a racist or a sexist bigot. Believing that speech is violence. Believing that silence is violence. Promoting and embracing censorship threatening to pack the court and abolish the filibuster, wanting to abolish the electoral college, suppressing news stories that go against their narrative, wanting firearm restrictions, pushing for defunding police, suggesting a truth and reconciliation commission for Trump supporters if Biden wins, believing religious institutions are not essential, tearing down statues, burning books, and having absolutely nothing good to say about their own country, its founding fathers, its ideals, its anthem, or its history. Is that enough? Is that enough? These are people who believe that Trump is a clear and present danger to our country, and they believe that the ends justify the means, and that their cause is so noble and so vital that they have an obligation to do whatever it takes to achieve it. And I'm supposed to just sit back and trust them? With all of this sketchiness and irregularity going on, all of these red flags and alarm bells, I'm just supposed to think that everything is fine? No. I do not trust them. It all needs to be audited. Maybe everything's correct. Maybe. That's a possibility. But I'm not just going to just blindly trust them, especially when they are blatantly operating in secrecy and they have been engaged in just ridiculous nonsense for the past four years. It's not happening. Now, as of this recording, we're still waiting on a couple states, but Georgia flipped and Pennsylvania flipped. So it looks like they are going to call it for Biden, at least for right now. But my prediction is this. I think what's going to happen is that Biden will be declared the winner by the media. Uh, Trump will take it to court and then he'll win back uh, one, two, three, four states, uh, if not more. And then who knows? Who knows what will happen? 
The left has already threatened riots and widespread unrest if Trump wins. I can only imagine what they'll do if Biden is declared the winner and then Trump, through the court, flips it back and gets reelected. And I've said before that a contested election in this environment, with us being so polarized and so emotionally charged, especially if malfeasance is suspected, it could spark a civil war. Now, the media tries to put that on the right, but if we have a civil war, it's going to absolutely be the left that instigates it. The right, as far as I know, does not want a civil war. And we would fight gladly. We have no problem defending our country and we will do it. But we don't want it to come to that. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see many conservatives or libertarians itching to go out into the streets and stir up violent conflict. I cannot say the same for the left. So if there is a civil war, conservatives and libertarians would enter into it uh, in self-defense. It's not going to be instigated by the right. Let me give a hypothetical example. If the election doesn't swing our way and Biden takes it, even though we suspect malfeasance, we're not going to take to the streets. We're not going to storm the White House. We're not going to march through suburban neighborhoods and threaten people who live there. We're not going to shut down traffic and drag people out of their cars and beat them. It's just not going to happen. Now, if it's the converse, it will. I can almost guarantee it because we've seen it already. And I can see it happening on a much larger scale. And if politicians get involved instead of offering passive support like they have been to groups like BLM and Antifa, and if they actually go along with the idea that Trump is not the rightful president and Biden is uh, beyond just ridiculous rhetoric and partisan games, then we have real problems. They talked at length about this hypothetical doomsday if Trump refused to leave office. They were projecting. They were telling us their thought processes for what they want to do or what they would do. They're the ones who will push the conflict. They're the ones who have been pushing the conflict. That's why I have floated the idea of splitting into separate countries in order to try to avoid something like that. Not sure how possible it would be, but it would be far preferable to war. But the conservative standpoint here is, look, we just want it to be legit. Uh, we're not, and we're not going to we're not going to resort to violence. We we just want to take it to the courts, uh, do the audit, uh, do the investigation, and if it's legit, then it's legit. We'll move on. But the left, they have been threatening and engaging in violence, so it's a problem. So anyway, let's hope it it just doesn't come to any of that. So like I said, it's almost certainly going to be contested. So we'll we'll see what happens with it. Uh, maybe we'll have a president by by January. We'll see. You know, I was talking about irregularities and things that seem just a little bit too hard to believe. And I posted this on Twitter as well. But you look at some of these states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and you see that Trump is doing significantly better in those states than he did in 2016. And even better than both Obama and Romney in 2012. So, so we have an incumbent who improves his voter numbers in multiple swing states, even above those of his predecessor, and yet his challenger manages to add enough new voters to eclipse 2016 numbers for both parties and still beat Trump in those states, even with his added gains. I mean, that's crazy enough by itself. Add to that that this challenger didn't hardly campaign at all, and he had virtually no enthusiasm during the entire election. I mean, it's hard to even figure out how he won the primaries, 
let alone how he was able to turn out so many voters in the general. I mean, it's absurd. It makes no sense. Of course, people say, well, it's because a lot of people hate Trump. And okay, yeah, well, that's true. But as it stands at the moment, he has 73 million votes. Hillary had 65.8 million in 2016. Obama had 69.4 million in 2008, which was the previous record. And he won that election in a landslide as an extremely popular candidate, an extremely popular candidate. So you're telling me that this career politician who's been in Washington for 47 years, who generated practically no enthusiasm whatsoever, who is in obvious cognitive decline, who didn't hardly campaign at all. You're telling me that candidate was able to pull far more votes than both Hillary and Obama. It doesn't add up. Additionally, Trump improved his support among minorities and actually did better with minorities than any Republican candidate has in 60 years. Now, this is insane, too, because Trump has been relentlessly painted as a racist white supremacist. But yet this election, he improved his support among minorities to a record level, 26 percent, with 32 to 35 percent of Latinos voting for him. And the hilarious thing about the white supremacist charge is that he actually lost some ground with white males. So uh, how's that work? Now, I, I don't like the identity politics and I don't really want to focus on any of it other than just to point out the absurdity of the Democrats' position. And also to point out that Trump made gains in groups that were supposed to hate him and who traditionally vote Democrat, but still somehow is behind in the election because Biden is just blowing away Obama numbers. It does not add up. It's suspicious. You know, something else, too, is that is that Biden isn't having this kind of record turnout all over the country. It's only really in specific places, which is odd. And I saw this morning that Biden had a net gain from Hillary's numbers of 4000 votes in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, which is which is where Cleveland is. But he had a net gain of 70,000 votes in Wayne County, Michigan, which is where Detroit is. 70,000. How? Detroit and Cleveland are only like two hours away from each other. But somehow, 66,000 more new voters, 18 times more new voters appeared in Wayne County than in Cuyahoga County. I mean, again, it's possible, but it just seems extremely unlikely. It just doesn't make sense. Why was the turnout so many times higher in one county than another when they're not even that far away from each other? There's a lot of, there's just, there's a lot of things that don't add up. And like I said, it, it may be perfectly authentic and people's hatred for Trump coupled with COVID foolishness and mail-in ballots may have created a perfect storm. It's possible. But like I said, I do not trust the Democrats and I do not trust the media. But alas, I repeat myself. So I do worry about what this means for our country moving forward. And I can't really imagine that elections will be any way normal from here on out, unless there's massive changes made to the process. I mean, there has to be trust. And when people lose trust in the process, you have chaos. And we do not need more chaos, obviously. I had a friend suggest that we need to shift to blockchain technology, which I haven't really looked into too much. But from what I've seen from it, it seems like it would be a good idea. Uh, where you have a specific login and you can cast your vote and the database would be automatically updated in real time. So we would be able to see the results immediately. 
without worrying about humans causing unnecessary delays, which are suspicious, uh, or worry about people trying to manipulate stuff. It looks like uh, Thailand instituted this in 2018. And an article on App Inventive stated that uh, to keep the security of the voting information intact, Shamir's secret sharing scheme, which is an algorithm in cryptography that splits access into multiple parts, was used, and this required multiple keys to access any system. Uh, for voting, Shamir's scheme needed multiple custodians to decrypt the voting information. And for this, five custodians were chosen, one representing each candidate, which, you know, seems pretty solid. And I haven't seen that they have had any issues with it. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but West Virginia actually used this as well for midterms as a trial. And that the app uses facial recognition technology to ensure security, which I know how people feel about facial recognition tech. But at the same time, there there does need to be some kind of security and authentication of the person who is voting. So I imagine if that's implemented, there needs to be some kind of assurance of privacy because there are concerns about mass surveillance and abusing the tech like is done in places like China. So convincing people to go for it may be a challenge, but yeah, all I know is we have to do something. It makes absolutely no sense for our country, as technologically advanced as we are, to be unable to have an election where the integrity of that election is not in question. That is third world craziness and it should not be happening here. So I'm on board with some kind of move to better technology. And I'm researching the blockchain stuff more and more. And But I just wanted to uh, get that in your ear so you can research some of it yourself if you haven't heard of it or if you haven't looked into it too much. Um, I'm sure you guys probably know more about it than I do. Uh, maybe I'll do an episode on it after I get more acquainted with the intricacies of it. But like I said, we have to do something. I'm sure everyone would agree that what's happening right now is not healthy for our country moving forward. And as President Trump pointed out, no matter who ends up winning or what the in, what the eventual outcomes are, we just can't let this happen in America. We need to figure out a better way to do this. Okay, so a bit of good news among the craziness is that even if Trump does end up losing, Amy Coney Barrett is on the Supreme Court and hopefully maintains her originalist perspective. So there's at least that. And Trump has also filled the lower courts with tons of originalist judges. So there's some ability to challenge any progressive foolishness that Democrats would try to shove down our throats. And it appears, at least for the moment, that Republicans will hold the Senate and have actually picked up a few seats in the House even. So even if a wacky bill manages to pass the House, hopefully the Republican majority Senate will announce that it is dead on arrival. Uh, it's too bad we didn't flip the House too, because that would have been great. But, you know, just picking up some seats and having a net gain is is, is awesome. And you know, it's, it's kind of crazy that that happened anyways, because with such an insane turnout for Democrats, uh, it, it, that that didn't lead to both the more House advantage and Senate control is wild to me. And I know some of that has to do with districts, but at, at the same time, it's it's hard to process how it's possible if the enthusiasm for Democrats voting for, for Democrat voting is that high, you would expect there to be quite a few upsets. But, is it, but it seems like it's mostly just cities that are driving this. And, you know, it sounds like Democrats just continue to concentrate into urban centers. 
which that's another thing that kind of baffles me. And not just this election, but just in general. Why are cities so consistently blue and rural areas tend to be red? And maybe that's a chicken and egg kind of question and it's the other way around. But I mean, it just seems odd. Like, what is it about being in a city that makes you vote Democrat? Or conversely, what is it about being a Democrat that makes you want to live in a city? I'm sure there have been psychological studies on this. I'll, I'll have to look it up and get back to you. But beyond all that, one thing you can say about this whole fiasco, regardless of how it all ends up, regardless of any of it, is that the polls were egregiously wrong. Just, just wrong. Just like in 2016. Lessons should have been learned after the 2016 disaster, but apparently they were not. After predicting a landslide for Biden, the House picking up 10 to 15 seats for Democrats, and the Senate picking up a bunch of seats as well, but instead, it's an extremely close presidential election, and the GOP is actually picking up multiple seats in the House, and the Dems flipped only one Senate seat, I think. The polls are a joke, and there's absolutely no reason to believe them. I'm sorry if you're a pollster, but these election polls are going the way of CNN journalists, okay? They, they'll serve up confirmation bias for people who want to believe them, and everyone else will disregard them completely, or give them the Don Lemon and Brian Stelter treatment and mock them outright. I mean, is there any incentive to believe the polls the next election? No, there's not. You'd be silly to believe the polls. So it, it's all just a crazy mess. And we, and we kind of knew it was going to be a crazy mess. But I am glad that we do have a buffer against the progressive agenda in the event that Biden wins. What I worry about, and I've discussed this many times on the show, uh, whether we're addressing wokeism or the media or critical race theory or whatever the topic, really, all of my political roads run through this concern. And that is the rise of the radical left and the spread of its poisonous ideology. And people kind of brush it off when I bring it up as if I'm being alarmist about this stuff. But I think you'd be crazy to think that AOC and her ilk aren't heavily influencing the party. I mean, they're already having a major impact on things and shifting the party further to the left, which, is take, which has already taken a massive swing to the left ever since 2008. I mean, you're, you're seeing it really start to grow in places like New York and California and Washington. Uh, it's spreading. And now we have Kamala Harris as, v, as a VP candidate, who is one of, if not the most progressive members of the Senate. And given Joe's cognitive status, it isn't unreasonable to see a very real possibility where she eventually becomes president. Now, caveat for Kamala, I'm not sure what she actually believes. I don't know if she even knows. She's extremely vapid, and she's a political chameleon who'll do and say whatever she needs to to get power. That's who she is. That's why she's the running mate of a man who she called racist during the primaries and whose sexual assault accuser she said she believed. But yet here she is. So who knows what her actual beliefs are? But it doesn't matter. What she supports right now is highly problematic. Right before the election, like two days before the election, she tweeted out that video about the difference between equality and equity. And the video ended with the statement that equitable treatment means we all end up in the same place. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what that means, it is an ideal of Marxism. It's, it goes beyond equal opportunity into equal outcomes. 
It's a communist belief. It's the idea that you can manipulate the system so that people can can have not only equal opportunity, but also equal results. It's very, very dangerous and it does not work. It always ends in chaos and destruction. As I've said before, the progressive agenda and the radical left is the single greatest threat to the future of our republic, and they must never be allowed to gain the power that they seek. So we'll see how this turns out. As, as Larry Elder likes to say, we've got a country to save, so we need to stay vigilant and keep fighting. And, you know, a lot of times people who support Trump are attacked and maligned, and people still have no clue why anyone would vote for the guy and reject the Democrats. They just can't understand it. After all this time, they still haven't figured out who we are. But here's a hint. We're tired of watching corrupt politicians getting away with crap because they have a D next to their name. We're tired of the corporate media behaving like activists and operating as a wing of the Democratic Party. We're tired of the elitism of people who look down on others, who confuse education with intelligence and confuse a degree with wisdom. We're tired of having the importance of individual liberty disdainfully mocked and watching a dogmatic extremist religion attempt to take it away from us in the name of a twisted idea of equality and social justice. We're tired of making every single thing on the planet about race or gender. We're sick of being called racist and white supremacist and Uncle Toms and Coons if you don't hold the accepted opinions. We're tired of ingratitude and often outright disdain for our own country. Tired of attempts to fundamentally transform it. People who voted for Trump unapologetically love America. They fly its flag. They embrace its ideals. They respect the Constitution. They love liberty. And they recognize that despite our scars, this is the greatest nation on earth and we will fight to keep it that way. Guaranteed. Thanks for listening. I'm Leonidas, and this has been Informed Dissent. If you would like to help support the show through donation, you can do so at donorbox.org slash Leonidas. D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot org slash Leonidas. I really appreciate that. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give it a five-star rating, share with your friends. Also, follow me on social media at Leonidas Johnson. And check out my website at leonidasjohnson.com. And always remember, do your own research, challenge everything. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. We'll see you next week. God bless. God bless.